Amen. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, worship team, for getting us started. Good morning, everybody. I'd like to welcome you here to Westview Community Church. Welcome those who are online also, those who are deployed, those who are homebound. We're glad that you joined us also. For our guests, my name is Brian. I am our lead pastor here, and it's a, just a joy. I, mean, I so look forward to Sunday all the time to hang out with you. But a question for all of you as we start is, how many of you had to go up a notch on your belt this morning? It's okay. Don't be ashamed here. How many of you never got the top button of your pants buttoned? That's probably not a true. You don't need to put your hand up on that one. How many of you bought elastic pants in advance? How many of you online are sitting there in your cozy chair and you notice that your coffee cup sits on your tummy differently today? I want you to know if any of those are true, thank God for the blessings in our lives. Amen? Surrounded by family, surrounded by good food. What a great weekend and what a great Sunday to worship with you. Uh, hey, a couple things here to our guests. Uh, this worship guide you got when you walked, there's, when you walked in, we are going to go into a sermon here. We're going to talk a little bit about God's word together as we approach Christmas here and get ready for Christmas. So there's an outline there that helps. That's for everybody, but for our guests also, this connect card is really important to us. It tears off, but if you would, before you leave, just put your name and like an email address or something like that. You could drop it in these boxes by the door or go to our welcome center, but we would love actually to connect with you, help you on your search, maybe for a church home. There is a couple announcements on here that I'd like to cover that we haven't hit just quite yet. One is the angel tree this is kind of a big deal every year it's right outside these doors in our west foyer it's covered in ornaments these paper ornaments and what they are is is this is our way that we give back to the community and give back to so we've selected families from our homestead ministries uh, we've selected families from uh, Theodore Roosevelt School if I remember right we also have and you can help these families have a Christmas and just get in that spirit of giving early. So we just ask that you grab an ornament. The instructions are on there. There's also these really simple ornaments too that give, that just, if you pick up a, uh, a Dylan's card for like 25 bucks and bring that, you won't believe how much throughout the year we help people who just need gas or just need food that week. And it gives us the ability when we stock up on those cards, that we, I mean, we run out of them fairly soon in the year, but we go and buy more. We always have those here to help our community whenever they're in need. And so just a way that if you would consider it, we can empty that tree and just find ways that we can start this season uh, in spirit of giving. And I think that's just a great way. Um, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, that's it. So I wanted to make sure I just covered that one also. Oh, and on Friday, yeah, the harvesters is kind of a big deal when we have like a hundred and some cars lined up out here and we get to give away food to those who are in need and it's we always need a big base of volunteers for that too and that's this Friday we'd love to have you join us for that one thing that's kind of exciting is uh, as we many of you probably had the experience this weekend of gathering around a table and and you see maybe two three four generations of your family I saw a picture where there was five five generations of a family sitting around one table. What a blessing that is. And when we think of generations, and every weekend when I get up here is I have to speak to four different generations or three different generations and connect. And it's always a fun, kind of a fun challenge. But did you know when we talk about generations, every generation has something that it's known for. Boomers, Gen Xers, you know, so on, so forth. So what's your generation known for? The generation you come from, shout it out. And those online, you can like type it right on Facebook Live. Big hair. <laughs> Big hair. So Gen Xers, 80s, right? Big hair. Give me another one. 
rock and roll. So probably boomers even before, right? When the 50s and, and music really started. What else? Cartoons. Cartoons? So name one cartoon that Tom and, Tom and Jerry, how they shape us. Any others? Kids. Is there any kids here? Like young. What, what shapes your generation? What like impacts your generation? YouTube. Somebody brought in first service, like, technology. It's like, oh, yeah, technology so shapes. So shapes the generation. Do you know every generation is influenced? Every generation has its influencers. Every generation has its mark. Do you know one of the largest influences on culture and generations is? Do you know the largest, probably the largest influencer on every generation, every culture? It's art. It's art. Think about this. Art, art is, uh, it influences culture by changing opinions. Uh, it projects values. It tells of experiences. Um, there's many expressions of art, so pay attention. This is, this is painting. Paintings actually impact quite a bit uh, of a culture. Sculpting, drama, theater, movies impact culture. Creative writing, every time you open a book and read it, it's impacting culture in the way we think. And the last one, well, one other one here is photography. I've seen single pictures change and make a movement. Single, single events caught in a picture. But there's one form of art that has more impact than any of the others on every generation. Do you know what form of art that is? Music. Music has, so we brought up rock and roll. What a big shift, what a big change. Music is one of the largest influencers on the sound, the lyrics, the expressions, every generation, but there's one song, one song that created an impact like no other over the last two to three generations. One song is very well known for its impact. Listen to this. Imagine there's no heaven Imagine was sang by John Lennon, formerly the Beatles. It was one of his first solo albums and probably his signature song, everybody would say. Imagine was released in 1971, September of 1971, 50 years ago. It went to number one, not just in America where it was released first, it went to number one worldwide. The song was incredibly popular and it was incredibly unpopular. As a matter of fact, it ignited a firestorm. Inside that beautiful piano melody is a collection of very edgy, some would say extremely fresh, some would say extremely dangerous, impact statements about society. 
this song challenged society like none other during its time. So John Lennon, when he wrote this, and I'm not going to pick on him today. It's not my goal. I, I don't know if I... It, it was interesting what he was going for. What he was going for, here's a list of what John was saying in his song, and I'm reading all the interviews and stuff with him. He says, to have peace, to have unity, and ultimately hope, imagine these things as you go through the lyrics. Imagine there's no heaven or hell. Imagine there's no countries. Imagine there's no religion. Imagine there's no war. Imagine there's no possessions. And imagine there's no greed or hunger. All those are in the lyrics. This song, this gentle song called out for peaceful anarchy. It was, some saw it as anti-country. The, the patriotic people really thought it was very anti-country. Imagine no countries. It was very anti-patriotic. It was anti-religion. But John would later say in his interview, saying it was, his issue wasn't with church. His issue was with denominations and about how they lord over each other and how they power and how they grab. And it was anti-capitalism. It was all about social justice. In 1971, when this came out, we were a world at war in Vietnam, and it was getting tiring. As a matter of fact, the Pentagon Papers came out and revealed the government hid a lot about the Vietnam War from the public, and they raged. In Nigeria, there was civil war. There was all these things going on in the world, and it was a perfect time for a song like this to imagine these things that cause us strife. One song... One song made many in that generation question what they put their trust in. And when you take away trust, you take away something much bigger. Let's look at our first note together. One song created a seismic shift in hope. One song created a seismic shift in hope. When you take away trust, when I don't trust, you take away hope. For younger generation looking for hope, this song pointed that it comes from somewhere else. They went looking elsewhere for hope. They look at the list on a song and they said, you know what, you're right. I don't have hope or trust in that, so I'm going to go looking for hope. So they set out on a way of looking for hope. They were looking for what John described, a brotherhood of man, living for today, living in peace, sharing with each other. They went looking for that. You look at the song and, and you think, that's 50 years ago. It's still in the top 100 playlists today of songs most played. So seismic was this shift that 50 years later, and I'm not exaggerating, billions of people are still looking for hope. It didn't cause that. It went searching for it. And today, literally billions of people are still trying to find hope. So we decided to use that as a theme in our sermon series. Imagine. And we're going to find hope together. Today starts Advent. Advent is how we as a church approach for four weeks the celebration of Christmas. 
For the next four weeks, we are going to imagine what life would be like today if the first Christmas never happened. Instead of approaching Christmas like we normally would, building it up, we're actually going to deconstruct it and take it down part by part. But I promise you we'll build it back. Imagine the sermon series is called Imagine No Christmas. Jesus never came to earth. He was not born of a virgin. There was no Christmas, which means there's no Easter and there's no cross. For you see, Christmas is much more than just a holiday on December 25th. It is central to everything in who we are and what we do. You take away Christmas, the true meaning of Christmas, it doesn't change one day on the calendar, it dramatically changes our daily lives. The one thing, if you look around your house and you look around here, Christmas is surrounded by symbols. We have all these symbols that represent Christmas. So we're going to use four of these symbols that are really common to show the true meaning of Christmas. We're going to remove a Christmas tree, we're going to remove Christmas lights, we're going to remove presents, and we're going to remove carols. And the purpose is to show and understand how important Christmas actually really is. So let's look at our second note together. This is the first symbol we're going to start with. Imagine no Christmas tree. The Christmas tree in your, in your home, if you think you already got yours up for you freaks that did it weeks before Thanksgiving, no, just kidding. It's central, right? We always put it in the center of our house. We always put it in the center place. The presents are there because we all gather centrally around it. We celebrate together, but it's always in the heart of the house. So I want us to imagine no Christmas tree this year. I want you to imagine in your home you don't have a Christmas tree at all. It feels weird, doesn't it? Imagine Christmas without a tree. From the very first chapter to the very last chapters of the Bible, the tree is symbolic of many things in the Bible. To understand the symbolism of the Christmas tree, we have to go way back to the start of the Bible. So let's go there. Let's go to Genesis, the first book of the Bible, chapter 3, verse 3. And let's, read, let's look at this together. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it, for if you do, you will die. And what we know from Genesis is, is God created that first couple, man and woman, Adam and Eve. The temptation was too much. They went to the tree. They took from it. They ate from it. What was the result of that? Well, let me jump to the New Testament. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. It says, when Adam sinned, the first man and the first woman, when Adam sinned, sin entered, entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone. 
for everyone's sin. This one event around a tree was so tragic for all mankind, sin entered the world and so did death. If you can imagine before this event happened, we had bodies that never died. But because of sin coming into the world, we experienced two deaths. We experience the physical death now as the first time ever is now physical death is a reality, but we also experience spiritual death. That's separation from God. And what we see in, in Genesis 3 is we see the first couple and, and, the, and their relationship with God and the damage that happened because of sin. But let's jump ahead a little bit in the Old Testament and let's look at now the relationship between an entire nation, Israel, and God and the result of sin. Let's go to the book of Hosea, chapter 6, starting in verse 4. O Israel and Judah, what should I do with you? asked the Lord. For your love vanishes like the morning mist and it disappears like dew in the sunlight. I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. But like Adam, you broke my covenant and you betrayed my trust. So we see this, this curse when the sin entered with Adam and Eve. We see that curse continue into the nation of Israel. At this time in Hosea, Israel's at its worst. They've really turned their back on God. They're worshiping all these other gods. And all these prophets around Hosea and in Hosea are saying the time is coming where Israel will collapse as a nation. God lent them to their desires. And at this point, we're seeing God crying out to them, this is what I want from you, and they've turned from him. And you're about ready to watch Israel just implode. The Assyrians, the Babylonians, they take them off to all around the world. Israel, for a time, does not exist. That same curse that was in Adam and Eve, that same curse that was in the nation of Israel is the same curse that we have today. Let's look at our third sermon out together. The blood of old Adam flows in us. Sin still does its damage relationally between us and each other and us with God, more importantly. We still all have a terminal illness. Death is still our curse today. And we get in the New Testament, we see the reference of Adam always seems to, re it always represents all mankind. So I'm just not picking on the guy today. But we get in the New Testament, Adam is normally referenced as all mankind. But the blood of the old Adam flows in you and me. And let me tell you, nothing in this world evaporates hope quicker than death. Can you imagine that with me? Nothing will take away your hope more than that topic. For that is our number one reason for hope is that death is not it. You see, Christmas really isn't about presents and food and music. Those are good things. But that's not what Christmas is about. Christmas is about God's kingdom of heaven coming down to earth. 
I want to say that again. Christmas is about God's kingdom of heaven invading earth. God loves you and I and all his creation. He won't stand for broken, sin-infected people to be lost to him. God is against hopelessness. And he is for his creation, humanity. To prove that, let's go back to Hosea chapter 14. When, when, the, when the nation's crumbling, God says this to them. I will heal their waywardness. And I'll love them freely, for my anger is turned away from them. I will be like the dew to Israel. He will blossom like a lily. Pay attention to the trees here. Like a cedar of Lebanon. He will send down his roots. His young shoots will grow. His splendor will be like an olive tree. His fragrance, again, like a cedar of Lebanon. People will dwell again in his shade. They will flourish like the grain. They will blossom like the vine. Israel's fame will be like the wine of Lebanon. Ephraim, what more have I to do with idols? I will answer him and care for him. I am like a flourishing juniper. Your fruitfulness comes from me. So who is wise? Let them realize these things. Who is discerning? Let them understand. The ways of the Lord are right. The righteous walk in them. But the rebellious stumble in them. So at this worst tragic point, probably the worst point of Israel's life as a nation that God is going to show himself to the rest of the world. It's the worst point where they're crashing and burning because they're so sinful and they turn so far from God. God says, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to rescue you, Israel. I'm going to restore you. And then God uses images of three trees in this beautiful scripture. Images of three trees. He talks about the Lebanon cedar, the olive tree, and the juniper. Do you know what all three of those trees have alike? If you're online, type it if you know the answer. What do all three trees have alike? They have a trunk. That's not what I'm going for. <laughs> Keep going. They're good answers. They're not the right answer. They're not the answer we need today. They're all green. All three are evergreens. The cedar, the juniper, the olive tree are evergreens. You know what an evergreen tree is? Evergreen. It never, it never dies. He just described them three trees that never stop being green. I love this. He uses images of three trees to show what their restoration will look like. You will always be green. Their leaves in the drought, they're always green. In the winter, they're always green. The olive tree doesn't even drop its leaves in the season. It stays green all year long. In the toughest of seasons, they never die. The story of Hosea, it's called God's love letter. There's a lot of times what they call Hosea. 
of no matter how sinful they are, he goes after them, loves them, and restores them. He gives them new life. And it's the whole story of Hosea is fulfilled in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. He is the culmination of how God's going to restore him. You like these tender shoot things? We run to Isaiah 53, prophecy of Jesus. My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry land. Hosea comes to full fulfillment in the life of Christ coming on that first Christmas day. Sermon on number four. God sent a new Adam so we could have new life. God sent Jesus to earth. The kingdom of heaven comes down in him on that first Christmas day. We call Jesus, a name for him is the new Adam. So what does a new Adam mean to you and I? Well, it's beautifully explained. I don't have to explain it to you because it's beautifully explained in Romans 5, starting in verse 14. Now Adam is a symbol, a representation of Christ who was yet to come. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But, you guys know but is my favorite word in all the Bible. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God even though we are guilty of many sins. Do you see the beauty in this? Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, including us, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and, say it, new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners, but because one other person obeyed God perfectly, many will be made righteous, right with God. So that sin of the one man, the old Adam brought death to all, but the grace through one man, the new Adam, Jesus, who came on that first Christmas day, that was the start of a journey that first Christmas day that brought forgiveness to all mankind. You don't have to wait. That forgiveness is now. Not only did the new Adam bring forgiveness for all mankind, he made people right with God. That's so big to understand that phrase, made people right with God. That means as God sees you and I, through the lens of Jesus, we are right with him. We are perfect with him. Today, if I die believing in Christ, I will be okay. I have assurance of where I'm going, not because of what I did, but because of what Jesus did. He made me right, even though I still sin. He made me right. Not only did he bring forgiveness, not only did the new Adam make us right with God, he gave humanity new life. Because Jesus came to earth on that first Christmas day, we have new life. 
what that means is that you and I have new life right now. And we have new life in eternity. Both those are very important. Because of eternity and because of what Jesus did for me and because I believe in him, I live differently right now. That new life starts now. So let's look at our fifth sermon out together. We talked about the one event that caused a seismic shift in hope with the song. One event caused a seismic shift in hope eternal, and that was Christmas. One event, that first Christmas day, caused a seismic shift in hope eternal, a hope that never goes away. 2,021 years ago, one event created a seismic shift in hope. Did you know how many of you still write checks? Does anybody write a check? I write like two. So there's a few of us. Whenever you write today's date, you are writing the years since hope came to earth. Every day you write that date, 2021, the year 2021, you are saying 2,021 years since hope came to earth. 2,021 years since Jesus came. Many times people look at 2021 AD and they say after death. It's not true. It's Anno Domini, which means the year of the Lord. It's been 2,021 years since the year of the Lord's favor came down and the kingdom of heaven came down. Seismic event. Jesus is the turning point of all history. Are you seeing that? Every time I write that date, I'm, sh I'm, I'm remarking the turning point of all history. I'm marking the date that hope came to earth. Can you imagine if that did not happen, what would we be writing on our checks or what would our calendars look like? I have no idea. Twenty twenty one AD, since the year of the Lord, but you know twenty twenty two, two thousand twenty two years ago, people did not know what happened when they died. One year before, one day before Jesus came, people did not know. Imagine this with me. Imagine not knowing what happens when I die. Imagine that I've never heard the term resurrection. Imagine, and imagine not knowing that my body one day would be fully perfect physically and fully perfect spiritually. I don't know what that looks like, but the Bible describes it. 2,022 years ago, that word resurrection meant nothing. And if I don't understand resurrection, I have no hope. I, mean, I don't know what I'm hoping for. But Jesus comes and he shows us the first resurrection. He gives us the example. Not only did they not have hope for life eternal and didn't know what happened really when they died. They were guessing maybe. They didn't know what resurrected body, but they didn't know how to live in the present day. They didn't know what new life was like right then. They didn't know they were forgiven unless they get to the temple to do sacrifice. They didn't know that they were made right with God. They did not know. They had new life then. The Christmas tree. It symbolizes new life. 
evergreen. The leaves are always green no matter the season. They never die. I hope when you put your Christmas tree up in the living room or wherever, that center point, you never look at the same today because you know it always means new life and life that's always green. But it's a symbol of our new life we have now. It's a symbol of life eternal. And it's a symbol of our lives, a life that never dies. So look at your six, your last sermon note with me. The Christian life is like an evergreen. Our Christian lives, for those who follow Christ and believe in who he is, why he came, what he did, our lives are like evergreens. Why is that true? Because believing in him, I know I'm forgiven now. I just have to turn from it, repent, and move on. Believing in him, I know I'm made right with God now. I go to bed tonight not worrying about tomorrow. And believing in him, I have new life now. I don't have to wait. Now. Because I'm forgiven. And because I'm made right. And that makes me live a lot differently today. I would ask you read this last scripture with me. It's out of the book of Jeremiah, back in the Old Testament. But I think it's a great way to wrap up today. Would you read this with me? Let's read it with our hearts, not just our mouths. Let's read this with our hearts and read it out loud. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along the river bank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green. Stop. Say it again. Their leaves stay green. One more time. <laughs> Their leaves stay green. And they never stop producing fruit. We don't have to imagine hope. We have hope. Amen? Amen. Christmas without trees No lights on evergreens No ornaments, no tinsel No stars on top would gleam Imagine storefronts and windows Vacant and empty ah, A Christmas tree It reminds us 
of a baby sent to save. He brought us hope and life eternal. And that's why we celebrate. Do we have Advent reader? Oh, there we are. Come on up. Hi, I'm Ashley Lance, and this is my son Noah Lance, and my husband Zach went to go get our little one Luke, so we'll go ahead and start without him, I guess. Um, we'll be reading for the first uh, weekend of Advent. Do you want to start it, Noah? Um, yes. The first stunt Sunday of Advent give us, gives us the opportunity to center our thoughts on hope. It's a beautiful chance to remember the hope God offers to our lost and dying world and that he's given us this hope through Jesus. Galatians 4 to 4, 8 reads, but when the right time came, God sent his son born of a woman subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. Without God's intervention, we were all slaves, bound up by our sin nature and hopelessly headed to the grave. Because of God's great love for us, he came down and rescued humanity by sending his son as a sacrifice for our sin so we could be free from the chains of sin and become fully part of God's glorious and eternal family. Lighting the first candle of Advent begins our journey towards Christmas. The first candle of Advent is the candle of hope. This is the light of hope that beckons those who are broken, searching, burdened, and needing healing. Ephesians 1.18 reads, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. On this first Sunday of Advent, as we prepare our hearts to celebrate Jesus' arrival as a gift to all humanity, let's stir up our hearts and homes with a sense of anticipation. Thank you, Lance family. Now's the time of offering where we as a church family respond to God and all his goodness through Christ is our offering is a way we respond to him in worship. Something might be in that message is if you've never actually decided to follow Christ and now you're really wondering about life and death and you wanna follow Christ and start that journey today, I encourage you to fill this card out or come up right here after the service. We'd love to talk to you. We've all been on that journey. Maybe your gift is your time, your talent. Whatever that offering is today, we ask you to give with joy. We ask you to give as God gives with just abandon. When you leave today, you can drop your financial gifts off in those box. You can sign up and do automatic giving. Remember, you're not giving to something outside of you. We're sharing together in a body for the mission of the church, and that's why we give. And we give out of great joy. So let's go into prayer and let's give our best offering we can to God. 
from what we reflect on his word. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for that you didn't leave us in the old Adam and that you sent the new Adam. Father, we can't imagine Christmas never happening. It totally changes our lives as we'll talk about for the next three weeks. But Father, we open our hearts that you change our lives. Our first offering is to be yielded to you and maybe somebody here today is making that decision for the first time to believe in Jesus and follow them so that they have hope. Father, we want hope as an offering to just pour through this crowd. But it's not for us. It's for the billions of people who are searching for hope outside these doors right now and don't know. And Father, we carry that hope in us. So let's go out this week and be the hope and the light because we're so changed because of how you gave us new life through Jesus. So Father, let this offering to you be rich. Let it be fragrant like the cedars of Lebanon. Father, bless every person in this room as we go out and we are the hope to the world. We pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Will you stand with us? We're gonna close in song this morning. The Christmas tree reminder of hope, that hope has a name. Breaking through the silence Glory in the highest Hope of all creation Resting in his mother's arms Song on the horizon Ringing through the heavens Long-awaited Savior Come to set the captives free Come to set the captives free Come set us free Hope has a name Emmanuel The light of the world Who broke through the darkness All hail the King Emmanuel The light of the world The glory of heaven We didn't see it coming The story of redemption it started in a manger Ended in an empty grave Oh, I know that hope has a name Emmanuel The light of the world Who broke through the darkness Oh, hail the King Emmanuel The light of the world The glory of heaven If you're searching And if you need healing He's where you find it 
Lay down your burdens and breathe in forgiveness. And if you need freedom, oh, He's where you find it. today. Go and be like trees, evergreen and full of fruit. We'll see you next Sunday.